Yes, Jesus is our solid rock. As we find here in the word of God today, the rock that was smitten. Uh, We've been through the children of Israel as they ventured out of Egypt in the Exodus. That's why the book of Exodus, they exited Egypt. Just as we as Christians have exited the world, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. We've left the world behind and we're on our way to the glory of heaven, our new home, where our citizenship is. Well, these Jews were out of Egypt, but Egypt wasn't out of them. And they were whinging and they were complaining and they were murmuring about God and what he had done here. And they always seemed to pick on the leader, Moses. You know, why have you brought us out into this desert to die? (laughs) Why haven't you provided us with manna? And remember the first time when they were fearful and they were locked and hemmed in on the Red Sea and uh, you brought us here for the Egyptians to kill us in the desert. They were fearful. God provided a way. They complained about the manna that we've covered, the food from that they didn't have and God provided this manna for them. And we'll be looking at another aspect of that in a future sermon. Then <clears throat> last week we were looking at the bitter waters of Mara. They come to the waters and, uh, and, and you maybe know what it's like. You come to get a drink and then you can't drink it. It's bitter. And uh, they complained and murmured. But this bitter water is like a Christian that's come out of the world, be, being saved, and then they go back and hanker and want the old life the, and that broken system, systems that is they're talked about by Jeremiah. They go to the broken systems of the world. Christians shouldn't do that. That's what non-Christians do. They try to find their satisfaction and their contentment with the things of this world. And the world and the things of it will pass away with a great noise one day. It'll all be gone. The philosophies of the world, the psychology, the science, the politics we looked at, the religions of the world... The, the pol- politics of the world, communism, capitalism, evolution, humanism, education, you know, solve all our problems. And no, it doesn't. Technology, selfish or selfism, I've called it. Pleasures goes along with selfism. Mammon, those two last ones, the last three we hardly touched on last week. It'd be good to spend more time, particularly with the idea of mammon, money. This is the God of so many people. And with this coronavirus coming, with things tumbling, the stock market, uh, <clears throat> people losing their jobs, mammon money has become a big thing. And I believe God is trying to get our attention, get the world's attention away from that to himself. There's coming a day when they, the world will cry for the rocks to fall on them as they try to hide in the caves of the world. Hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne. And all these things that they've trusted in, these broken systems... These bitter waters will be realised for what they really are, but people seem not to be able to give them up. Well, today we move on to where there was no water. (laughs) We have three sermons on water. Last week, the bitter waters. This week, there was no water and the water that came from the rock. And and the next time we'll look at other water where Moses struck the rock twice. 
but this is the one, or maybe, no, not next week, the week after and maybe the week after that. We'll see how we go today with the smitten rock. So we look at the smitten rock. I've called it the episode at Rephidim. <clears throat> Second Peter, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 speaks of this. And let me read this portion of scripture to you and you can follow on with your mind and heart. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisy and envyings and all evil speakings, this is talking to Christians, as newborn babes, new Christians, just like Israel, new Christians just out of Egypt, just out of the world, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow by it. If so be that ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. And this is who it's all about today. The Lord Jesus Christ, the smitten rock. Have you tasted that he is gracious? Have you tasted that he is good? That he is glorious? That he is all of these things to us and he ought to be that. I don't look for the things of the world. I look to the Lord Jesus to meet my needs in whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. When he came as the rock of ages, as the Lord Jesus Christ, born at Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, preached in, the, in Galilee, the crossroads of the nations, did they flock to him for a start? But then many went and followed him no more as he put the word on them and the cost of discipleship and that they eat his body and drink his blood in a spiritual sense. They said, no, we can't take this. And they went. And, and Jesus said to the disciples, will you go also? And I like Peter's answer, to whom shall we go? There is no one else but the Lord Jesus Christ. Having you tasted that the Lord is gracious, he is good. He is the good shepherd, the glorious shepherd and the great shepherd. Psalm 22, 23 and 24. As a living stone, we've come to him disallowed indeed of men. And on the majority case, people don't want the Lord. There's far, far more unbelieving people than believing people. The broad road is filled with people on the, road, on the road to destruction. On the narrow road, there are few there be that find it. And you can be thankful that you found it. Of all the nations of the world, God chose the nation of Israel. And there were few in number. It tells us that it's not because you were a great nation I chose you, but you were very few. In fact, on the starting stage, Abraham and, and Sarah had just, just the one, Isaac. Uh, that was a promised seed. And, and so it went for a few generations like that. Few there be. But God is getting the message out. And pray that you're one of the few that have believed and received the Lord. The living water. Ye also, verse 5 of First Peter 2, ye also as lively stones. I built up a spiritual house. This is talking about the church and Christians. Lively stones. A holy priesthood, where the priesthood of the believer, to offer up spiritual sacrifices. This is what Israel should have done. They should have been all for the Lord that had done what he had done for them and giving them salvation from the slavery of Egypt. 
And they were, should have presented their bodies, as Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells them, as living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto the Lord. And it reads on in verse 5, acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. This ties with Romans 12, 1 and 2. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. This is speaking of the Lord Jesus. And he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore who believe he is precious. Do you believe as a Christian he is precious? Did Israel believe in the wilderness he was precious? No, they were murmuring and complaining. But unto them who are disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, and that is speaking of Israel when Jesus came to present himself as the Messiah, the builders disallowed him. They said, we don't want him. They crucified him. The religious people did that. They excited the mob to cause a riot, to call for his crucifixion. The same, the same stone that the builders disallowed is made the head of the corner. Upon this rock, Jesus said, to Peter, I will build my church. And he wasn't talking about Peter. He was talking about himself. Upon this large, large rock, I will build my church. The stone, in verse 8, and a stone of stumbling. And to the Jew, he is a stone of stumbling. They stumble at the Lord Jesus. They can't see that he was their predicted Messiah. They won't even read Isaiah 53, which explains the suffering of the Messiah. It's so easy to see who it's talking about. It's in their scriptures, but they won't read it. They deliberately stop their reading at the end of chapter 52, have a break, go into chapter 54 of Isaiah. A stone of stumbling to the Jewish nation, a rock of offense. They were offended at him. Many, as it reads in the Gospels, were offended at his word. Even to them who stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto they were appointed. They were the appointed nation to bring the Messiah to the world, that the world might be provided with salvation, with water from the rock. But ye, Peter goes on to say, ye Christians are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Just as Israel had been called out of darkness, out of the darkness of slavery and bondage in Egypt, to the glorious light and the liberty of the Lord, set free as a nation. And they're on their way to heaven. Look, the picture is so easy to see. Out of Egypt, into the desert. We need to get out of the desert into Canaan and have the victorious Christian life and not be stuck in the desert. Sandals in the sand, some have said, and other things, many ways of describing their, their bogged down in the desert sands. They need to move on. And Christians that are bogged down in this world and are bogged down with wanting to go back to what they had. And what did they have? Well, they had the promise of eternal punishment when they were in the world and of the world. Uh, what was there to look forward to? As a Christian, we have the promise of eternity with the Lord Jesus. Well, <clears throat> yep, the smitten rock. Let's go back to this thought in 
the book of Exodus. Verse 6. This is the constant gripe, well, verses 1 to 7, the constant gripe and complaint and accusation. You have brought us out into this wilderness to die in the desert. As you have it there in, in verse 6. <laughs> brought us out and to, to die in this. Is God among us or not? Of course he is among us. He's the one that provides for our physical needs, for our spiritual needs, for our eternal needs. He is with us. God was with them. But here they didn't recognise that. <clears throat> Salvation comes from the rock, the smitten rock. Let's go to Psalm chapter 78. Psalm chapter 78 and read verse 15 and 16. Well, let's back up in verse 13. This is talking about the wilderness wanderings. He divided the sea, the Red Sea, and caused them to pass through. He made the waters to stand as a heap. In the daytime also he led them with a cloud. Now, is God among us or not? <laughs> is God among us, believer, or not? Do we not see the hand of God in our life? Do we not see the miracle of his provision, the miracle of his word, the blessing of salvation? Is God among us or not? There's a cloud by night and the light of fire, oh, sorry, by night and the cloud by day. This he is among us. He certainly is. And even though that was happening and they could see it every day and every night and they could, they could sense it with their taste buds, they could eat the manna that was provided from heaven and the miracle that the shoes not wearing out neither their clothes uh, becoming threadbare is God among us folk today God is among us we only have to look at prophetical things in times past God has fulfilled everything to the littlest detail every jot and tittle has been fulfilled everything's promised in the future will be fulfilled God is able is God among us or not? Is God, a, is God able? Is he among us? You, you think of the world and the world situation. Is God among us? Yes, he is. With all that's happening in the world, with nations that have come to power in these last days that were predicted to do so. Way, way back there, two and a half to more thousand years ago, where it said China would come to power. And China would provide an army of 200 million men. It's in the last book of the Bible. And who thought that would have been possible, that they could march down on the Middle East? Well, they're ready to go and they're certainly getting fired up, as we as Australians know. Is God among us? Yes, he is. Russia is a superpower. Turkey has come to power. And they are predicted to do what they're going to do in the Middle East, in Ezekiel, who wrote, what, two and a half more, 2,600 almost years ago, that they would come down on the Middle East. Is God among us? Yes, he is. In 1948, Israel became a nation and was drawn back from being scattered amongst the nations to be in the Middle East. You see, they have to be there in unbelief for Antichrist to make a deal with them. 
And the Bible could not be fulfilled until that happened. God is among us, even in among the unsaved people, and they don't know it. How much more should the Christian be awake and alert and not ask the question like these Jewish people did, is he among us or not? And God was going to show them another time right here that he was among them. Well, let's read on. I'm getting <laughs> sidetracked, <laughs> but not in the desert. And we read there, he led them by the cloud in the daytime and the fire by night. Verse 15 of Psalm 78, he clave the rock in the wilderness and gave them drink as out of great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. That's what happened. That, that's, that's literally what happened. And the psalmist is recording these events as history and saying this is what God did. Is he among us? Oh, yes, he is. He provided water from the rock and it caused the waters to run down like rivers. It wasn't a small amount, as we'll see in a moment. And yet they sinned more against him, in verse 17, by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. And yet they sinned against him. Isn't that a sad epitaph to have upon Israel's tombstone? And yet they sinned the more. They just got started. <clears throat> I pray that if you're a new Christian, that you're not doing what these people did. And yet they sinned the more. And yet they said, is God among us or not? Yes, he has promised. He has promised, Christian, never to leave us nor forsake us. He's promised to be with us always, as it says in Matthew 28, even to the end of the world. <laughs> He's among us to empower us. He's among us to keep us on the victory, on the victory trail. He's, a, he's among us to make new paths <laughs> and do great things for him. But we have to, by faith, believe he can. And they were not living by faith, yet they sinned the more. Let's not do that. Even as elderly, older Christians, mature Christians, let's not sin the more. It is sad to see. So many have held the torch for a long time, put the torch down. And they, and, and God, as it were, well, he can't use me. Yes, he can. He can answer your prayers. Pray, pray for those that are doing the work of the ministry. Pray for the missionaries constantly in season and out of season. Pray, pray without ceasing as it says in Thessalonians. God is and will be among us until the end. And one day, shortly, he will manifest himself and it will be all praise to him. And we will fall down and worship before him and give him thanks for eternity for what he's done. And I think there will be a lot of regrets when we get there. <clears throat> what I could have done while I was alive, instead of griping and complaining about what I did get, I could have used those occasions for the glory of the Lord Jesus. The smitten rock, Exodus 17 and verse 6. This is the first mention of rock in the scriptures. 
And I don't believe it's without coincidence or with the coincidence that it happens to be on this occasion where the rock is being smitten. As the Lord said, he called, well, go smite the rock, verse 6. Thou shalt smite the rock and there shall come water out of the rock. Smite the rock. Listen to what it says in the book of Isaiah. We've referred to Isaiah already this morning. In Isaiah chapter 53, the one that the Jews don't like to read. (laughs) Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him like a tender plant, and like a root out of dry ground, he hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. No beauty as far as the, the looks are concerned, but beauty of the Lord and his character and his nature and all that he's done. There will be beauty, be, be beauty in that. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, says verse 3, and acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken. We esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. This is the importance of this occasion. As Moses was instructed by God to smite the rock, that water might come forth. It's, it's this that we find in Isaiah 53. Stricken and smitten of God. And we read on. <clears throat> he was wounded, in verse 5, for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Lord Jesus was smitten to bear our iniquities. On him were the stripes laid. His beard was plucked off. He was spat upon. He was slapped. Yes, and he was crucified. his, His hands and his feet were pierced. And his side was pierced for us. He was smitten there on the cross. And it's so evident that Isaiah 53 is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray to God for Israel that they would see who this is talking about one day soon and that I'd fall on their knees before him and recognise him and say in their hearts it is our Messiah. They'll look upon him whom they pierced, whom they crucified, and they shall mourn for him. The day that that happens, there will be a wonderful change in this world. When his chosen nation, brought out of Egypt to be his special people, will acknowledge their Messiah. Right now, as we see with what our brother over there is doing in Israel, they hate the name of the Lord Jesus. They despise his name. They call Christians Jew killers. And that is evident. You go there and witness for the Lord. And so-called Christians call them them Christ killers. Hey, we are all responsible for the death of the Lord Jesus. 
my sin, your sin, put him on the tree. Had him to be smitten. For if he had not been smitten, our sins would not be cast away as far as the east is from the west and buried in the depths of the deepest sea. He must be smitten that he provides salvation for us. And so there we see <laughs> the rock mentioned in Exodus 17.6 is the Lord Jesus Christ smitten for us that we might have salvation. He was crucified. And where was, where was he crucified? On the place on the place of the skull, Matthew 27, 33. On the place of the skull. If you've been to Israel and been to Jerusalem and you walk out of the north side of the old city and you walk there only a, a few hundred metres and then t you go straight north and turn right, go east and you go in and you can see the place of the skull. A very rugged and rocky outcrop, cliff, I'd call it, and the place of the skull, and you can see the eyes and the nose, and you've seen pictures of it, the place of the skull. Where was he crucified? On that place, a rocky outcrop. <laughs> the rock that was smitten, he was smitten on the rock, <laughs> just outside the city walls. He, went, he suffered without the gate, it says in Scripture. There he bore our sins in his own body on the tree. We sing the old rugged cross. It was on a rugged outcrop as well where the cross was erected. He was crucified upon his last cry before he died. <clears throat> Listen to what happened in Matthew 27 verse 50. I believe it is. The veil was rent and the earth did quake and the rocks what happened to the rocks? We're split. We're split. Isn't that a, something from our verse in Exodus? Moses smote the rock with his, his rod and, and it split. It clave and waters gushed out. And even the rocks were rent in that day. And remember what the Lord Jesus said. If these children keep quiet... If these people that are crying Hosanna on Palm Sunday keep quiet, you know, you know who would speak? The rocks would cry out. The rocks would cry out. The rock cries out today from Isaiah, Exodus sorry, and Isaiah that salvation has been provided for a sin-sick world, a world burdened down by the sin that each one has committed, born sinners. So... <clears throat> There, he was crucified in the place of the skull, the rugged, rocky outcrop. The veil was rent and the rocks were rent and split at the same time. After death, after his death, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus begged his body and they were given that and they wrapped it and put it in a tomb that was hewn out of the rock. Yes, hewn out of the rock. Upon his burial, when he was put into that tomb, into that rocky grave, what happened then? They rolled a great stone in front of it and sealed it and made it secure. And remember, the, was it the women going to the grave the next, in three days on, on Sunday morning? Well, who's going to move the rock? 
It was too big for them. It was a large rock. It wasn't just a little stone that was placed there to seal him in the sepulchre. But he, again, he busted the rock. It was split and it was rolled away by the angel of the, the Lord there that had that ministry. Have you drunk of the water that flowed from the spiritual rock of the fledging Jewish nation? It's said in Corinthians, and I'll turn there to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. <clears throat> First Corinthians, sorry, chapter 10. <laughs> Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant that all our fathers were under the cloud. The cloud? <laughs> God's miraculous provision of shade and all passed through the sea, the Red Sea. All were baptized, they went under the and out of that sea unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They were under it. And did all eat the same spiritual meat. And that all did drink of the same spiritual drink. For they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them that was Christ. You see, he is pictured in the rock. This is so pointed. You cannot miss it. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things were written examples to the intent we should not last after evil things as they also lusted. These things are written for our example here. Friend, have you drunk of the water of life that flowed from the rock? Have you drunk of the Lord Jesus as they drank? In verse 4, of the spiritual rock that followed them, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord was overseeing all the affairs that were happening there in the wilderness. On their journey to the, to the promised land and then on their journey to, to heaven. Christian, the Lord is hovering over you. The Lord hath not left us alone. He indwells us by his Holy Spirit. He hovers over us every day. The angel of the Lord is about them that trust him. He encamps about them. We have the presence of the Lord. He's with us all the time. And that's why, you know, nothing happens without his knowledge. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Over in the book of Isaiah, again, but this time chapter 55 and verse 1, and we've read it often. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come to the waters, he that hath no money, come buy and eat. Without price, come to the Lord Jesus. <clears throat> I think of it in relation to Psalm 78, where it said the waters gushed out of the rock. How many people had to drink? There was a minimum of two million people. And this is, this is, we're just thinking of one day. You know, I mean, God provided that water for him for a lot longer than that in the wilderness. You get thirsty when it's in a hot and dry place like that. You, you, as it were, evaporate. In this world, we evaporate with the things that are going on. But we have the rock, but for the rock. And these people, two million people, Let's say just 10 litres a day. This is the minimum side of things. This is just a drink, three litres. Wash, at least with a wet sponge. And then to cook and to clean. 10 litres. I don't think you'd survive on it. None of us would survive on it. You know in Albury that we use per person 
340 litres a day, plus 150 litres per person a day for the industry that's around here. So it's 500 litres, two and a half 44 gallon drums full of water per person per day in Albury. God had the waters gush out. It says they were like rivers, they were like streams in the desert. Because there were not only the people, but there were the animals that had to drink too. To give you an idea, if we go back to the thought there was only 10 litres per person per day, that's 20 million litres for Israel, the camp at Crystal Creek and the, and the lake there. I figured it out, it's about 12 megalitres, 12 million litres. They needed double that per day just to drink and to clean it, 10 litres minimum. But you think of the maximum in Albury, 500 litres a day. And then you start thinking, how much water gushed out of that rock? Was it just a little rock? No, well, I think it was a big rock. <laughs> the Lord is a large rock. And when he was smitten, it gushed forth. Do you get the picture here? When Jesus Christ paid the price for our eternal salvation, the waters of life gushed out to meet your need and my need. They provided enough to cleanse everybody from Adam to the last human being that will be born in the millennium. And the provision was that it was a wonderful fountain, full and wide, was opened. Streams in the desert. We sing a song in a Sunday school. Plunge right in. Cleanse your sin. A fountain is flowing and we say deep and wide. Deep and wide. And so a fountain flows from Calvary as the Lord Jesus was smitten. The provision gushed out met the needs of multiple million, billions of people. And you know, he didn't only just die for those that would be elected. He died for all people. It tells us in, in, John's, in, in 1 John, the epistle of 1 John, chapter 2 and verse, one, uh, verse 2. And he is the propitiation. He satisfied God the propitiation. That's what it means. For our sins. Here's the satisfaction for our sins. And not for ours only. And he's talking to Christians. Not for ours only. But also for the sins of the whole world. That which was provided at Calvary. On that rocky outcrop. Was enough to pay for the sins of the whole world. And that's why it's such a terrible thing. To reject the Lord Jesus Christ. He has made full provision for your salvation to cleanse you from all your sin, and there you disobey the gospel, there is no mercy or grace left for people who disobey and die in their sins. But there is a wonderful provision from the smitten rock. And we conclude with thinking of the woman at the well in John's Gospel, chapter 4 and verse 13. The Samaritan woman, remember her. Whosoever drinketh of this water in this well, said the Lord Jesus, shall thirst again. But, the, but, the, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst 
But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. If you're not a Christian, come to the waters that were provided by the Lord Jesus. Drink of salvation from the cross and the provision of the waters that gushed out and the mercy and grace that flowed from Calvary and you will be saved. You'll be cleansed. You'll be made a fit citizen for heaven only through the blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Come, sinner, and be saved. Christian, stop griping. Stop complaining. The rock has been smitten. The provision has been made. We're on our way to heaven. Life is so short. It's all going to be over. And we'll be in the blissful presence of our Messiah, our provider, for all eternity. Rejoice in that. And look above the circumstances of life and see the Lord high and lifted up. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Bless these wonderful thoughts from your word to us today. And for the sinner that may be contemplating receiving the Lord Jesus, may they come and not reject the offer, but receive salvation. As many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. Bless the Christian with the wonderful thoughts of salvation. May we walk in our pilgrim pathway, not looking at all the circumstances, but looking at the Christ, the Lord Jesus, who meets our need and will for eternity. Bless us now as we part in Jesus' name. Amen.